Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. Today, we're talking about second acts. As you get older, how can you make your life better and more enriched and just keep going and create a second or maybe a third act? My guest is Ter- Terry Emery. Her book is Second Acts, and it's a debut novel. She's a literature professor at several university and institutions, and she says it's amazing what you can accomplish even when you have a broken heart. She's going to talk about her novel, how it got its own second act, and how she got her own second act later in life with issues of work and love and loss and relocation and family and travel. Welcome, Terry. Thanks, Patricia. Yeah, so glad that you could be on the program. I think it's such an important topic. So the name of your book is Second Acts, and writing seems to have, has, have come to you later in life as your second act. How and when did you get your start in writing, and where has this led you? Well, actually, I've been a writer all of my life, but writing fiction is my second act. Um, I, I have been, I consider my start in writing to have come in the fifth grade, when, when a wonderful teacher asked me to help her adapt a play for the class to perform. And while I stayed after school with her, uh, she asked me what my favorite book was. And I told her it was Little Women. And she said, I'm guessing that that's because Joe, one of the Little Women, is a writer. And I said, yes. And she said, you know, you could be a writer, too. Mm. Now, it, that was that's 16 great. years ago, and I'm still telling the story. Wow. How close was the story to your own life, or was it? Second act. Uh, some of the... Uh, I have three main characters. Uh, they meet in the 60s in college. I was a college student in the 60s. I have something in common with each one of them, but none of them and none of the other characters is actually based on any one person. But their experiences are experiences that are familiar to me. And I think to my generation of women, uh, I, like, like Sarah, uh, one of my characters, I was a writer in corporate venues that were never a good fit for me, and I dreamed about writing fiction. And like Beth, I spent time in Rome. She does a, a semester abroad. I actually lived and worked in Rome when I was in my 20s. And like Miriam, I once had a boyfriend with a sailboat, and I'll leave it at that. Hmm. <laughs> so, it, it, it's, um, so you have used a lot of those places, really, in your novel. Right, right. I, I have used the places that were familiar to me. But also, one of, one of the characters in my book says that we were the first generation of women who felt we were entitled to interesting lives. And I think that's true. I think that we were the first generation of women who had freedom to travel on our own and eventually had jobs that gave us the opportunity to travel on our own. And we, we were the the generation that straddled the old and the new. Our our mothers led very different lives. 
And our daughters now live different lives. So we were the ones who broke a few glass ceilings and knocked down a few doors and all of that. Uh, and I wanted my characters to, to reflect those struggles, but mostly to reflect the value of female friendships. That has been something that has sustained me through my life. And I think I wanted to write about friendship. There are a lot of love stories, and there's plenty of that in this book. But the friendships that women have that last over time, that was my goal. uh, Terry, talk about friendships as you get older, you know, as you create that second act Mm -hmm. in your life. How important are they? Do they change? Are they more important? What's your feeling about that? Well, for me, it has never changed. The women in my life have been like sisters. I I, I don't even have the the language to express how important they have been. I'll I'll give you an example. My, my, My husband died a few weeks before Second Acts came out. Now, remember, this is my lifelong dream was to publish a novel. Mm. I had a tour lined up across the country, a, a signing and reading tour. And my first reaction was to say, I'm canceling the tour. And my family talked me out of that. Uh, my brother kept reminding me, you're still alive and you need to go and do this. So my women friends rallied. First of all, uh, Heidi Master Giovanni, who's another author with my, with my publisher, agreed to go on tour with me. She had a book that had come out a little before mine. And so the two of us together did some of the readings, and that was a tremendous help. My friend Donna, who lives in Delaware, took red eyes back and forth over a weekend so I wouldn't have to be in San Francisco doing my event alone. San Francisco had been a special place for Ken and me, my husband and me. Mm. And Donna... Uh, came out and, 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 and was with me. I, I, I owe these women more than I can ever repay. And I have found that in the two years since my husband has died, my women friends locally and in places all over this country and abroad have not forgotten that I need their friendship. And I, I think this is what sees you through hard times. You need to to have people around you who care about you. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you talk about in your book and is that you're a risk taker. How does this trait mm-hmm. play into creating successful second acts? Well, uh, you know, no guts, no glory. I, I have always been kind of more likely to ask, well, what am I going to miss if I don't do this? rather than what might happen if I take this risk. And some of it is mm-hmm. a nature. That, that I, I, I think some people are just, are just born, are, are born this way. But if you're not, I think as you get older, uh, you need to figure out a way to push ahead and, and, and do some things that are unfamiliar or maybe a little scary and ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen if I do this? Mm. That I won't succeed at it? Well, mm. well, fine. Um, you know, um, it took me 12 years to get Second Acts published. 
Wow. I wrote it, yes. I, I wrote it uh, while I was, I was living in New York. I was, which is where I'm from, and I was teaching, and um, I, I taught college writing courses for forever, and um, I finished the novel, and it took me about a year and change to write it, and then a year and change to find an agent. Eventually parted ways with the agent because she wasn't doing me any good. And I was trying to sell this novel on my own. A challenge to try to be, to try to be successful without an agent. And it was right at a time when the publishing business, business was changing. So what had been known as the Big 18 in New York, the big publishers, were now the Big Five. And it was harder and right. harder to get, That's to, right. to get published. <laughs> and so um, I would... Uh, I would send I would send the manuscript out, or I would go onto the website and I'd follow their instructions. Send five pages, send ten pages, send a, send a synopsis, send your resume, whatever. And when you are unknown in fiction, I had I had thirty years of publications of all kinds, but right. not fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, your my manuscript wasn't going to land on the desk of the senior editor. It landed on the desk more likely of the summer intern. Right. And so over That's 12 right. years, I, collect, I collected enough rejection letters with spelling errors and, and grammatical issues uh, to wallpaper my house. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it's really, it, it really hurts to have your work rejected by somebody who can't even push the spell check button, you know. And so I kept at it. And every once in a while, I would read uh, a novel and think, gee, I enjoyed this, and I think somebody who read this would like my book, and I'd send it out again, and I'd collect more rejections. Um, mm. And every time I sent it out, uh, there was that little voice in my head that said, why are you doing this to yourself? Mm-hmm. Why, why so- are you taking, taking the risk of rejection? Well, the other voice chimed in, book's not going to get published if you don't send it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And eventually, when the publishing industry settled a little bit, some new independent publishers popped up. And one of them was a small uh, publisher that was looking for literary fiction, which is the category my book falls into. And I sent it to them. And within a month after sending it to them, I had a contract. Isn't that wonderful? But you stayed with it. Uh, well, well, there's no choice. I, I stayed with it. And now that little publisher, Amberjack Publishing has been bought by a bigger publisher, and um, they have been very enthusiastic about about my book and about the sequel, which I am just finishing now. So, yeah, I want to say something about this. I'm an overnight success. Terrific, Terry. I want to after twelve years. Well, I want to say something because I can relate to what you're talking about. It's many, many years, Mm -hmm. and you're right, it's overnight success. But I think it's not just about age. I mean, I think if you're a persistent person who really wants something and believes in it, I think you'll go for it at almost any age unless, you know, you have a health issue and you can't. But I think it's part of of the nature. What do you think? I, I, I think it is partly a nature I think it is partly a nature, and, and, but sometimes your nature uh, betrays you a little bit, and you have yeah. to step back and say, okay, my instinct is to do this, but maybe I should question that. Mm-hmm. And you just force, your, you force yourself to, 
to try new things. And, and as you said earlier, as we get older, it's critical. It's, mm-hmm. it's how you stay engaged and young. Look, when I, lost, when I lost my husband, my instinct was to stay at home curled up in a, in a fetal position of and course. cry. Right. And I did enough of that. I did, I did a lot of that. And then, and then I, I realized something. What I really needed was to be around other people. Right. And other people don't want to be around you if you're crying all the time. Right, exactly. Well, and I think that's good advice for anyone at any age, at any age. Right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to you and ask you for your advice for people trying to create a second act for themselves. So my guest today is Terry Emery, and her book is Second Acts. It's a novel and it's very much about how you can work through your issues later in life and create your own second act. Uh, uh, Terry, what is the website? Well, my website is, is terryemory.com. Okay. All right. And that's the one they can use. All right. All right, folks, yes. you're listening to the yes, Patricia there's Raskin a, there's Show. There's a link and people can write to me. All right. Uh, you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Beauty is always a reflection of how we are taking care of ourselves from the inside, and our business is no different. Building your business brand is a direct reflection of you. In today's competitive landscape, personal and proven leadership skills can ensure that our brands and businesses succeed. Join host Bonnie Bonadeo and visionary guest experts to help you find success. Tune into beautiful brands inside and out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. 
Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, my guest today, and I'm Patricia Raskin, my guest is Terry Emery, and she is living proof that we really can have a great second act in our life. Her book is Second Acts. It's her first novel. She's written many books, but it is her first novel. She's taught writing and literature at the University of North Florida, Hunter College, Yeshiva University, and Fordham University, and many other institutions. And again, her book is Second Acts. So welcome back, Terry. Thank you. Yeah, share one of the stories or one of the moments in the book that you think really sort of defines a second act, maybe when a decision had to be made or there was a a crossroads and you had to go one way or another. And, you know, maybe talk about that, something that showed courage, faith. Go ahead. From the book or from my own life? Yeah. Well, let's start with the book and then go to your own life. Okay. All righty. Well, in in the book, um, one of the characters uh, loses her son. Uh, the tragic loss, um, of course, and he's in his early 20s. And uh, he had um, a number of um, emotional problems, and, and she's a psychologist, and so she feels guilty that she couldn't, she couldn't help, help her son. And getting over that kind of loss is just devastating. It's difficult for, for anybody. And... She gets through it because the two other women in the book, her best friends from um, since college, and her husband, um, stay by her and let her experience her grief the way she needs to. So when she needs to scream and yell and cry and get angry at the universe, they give her space to do that. And when she needs to be held and comforted, they do that for her. And they do that for a long period of time, as long as she needs them. And eventually, um, although her heart will always ache thinking about this loss, she gets back to living a semblance of her former life. So that, and how does that relate to you? Well, losing Ken so suddenly was a real uh, yeah, a real blow. And um, my my wonderful daughter, who, by the way, was the one who told me to go to the high school reunion where Ken and I re-met, um, she said, you should go, Mom. Maybe you'll meet the man of your dreams. And I went, and I did. But she encouraged me to travel. Uh, travel had always been such a big part of my life. I lived and worked in Rome. I've spent long stretches in Paris. And after the book tour was over, I didn't have anything else on my calendar that was moving me, helping me move through my grief. And my daughter said, why don't you go on a, on a trip? And so since Ken died, I have taken three big trips. Um, they were to places where there were no memories of him because we did we hadn't gotten to these places, but they were places I always wanted to visit. And I went with women friends. Um, I've been to Sicily. I've been to Cuba. I just got back from the Baltics and Russia. And planning a trip always reminds me that life is full of possibilities. So for me, it was very, it was therapeutic 
and it was it was marvelous. And again, being with my fabulous women friends, um, the trip to the Baltics I just came back from. It was just one friend and me, a woman who lost her husband uh, a couple of years before I lost mine, and so we were sitting in a cafe, and I said, so, Nancy, when are we next going to travel together? Where, what's the next trip, mm-hmm. do you think? And I said, how about Venice? And, and the look on her face changed, and, and she said, that was my last trip with Peter, her, her late husband. And she didn't have to say anything more. I knew she wasn't ready to return to Venice anytime soon. So what I'm saying is that... Um, it's important to be around people who will let you grieve or um, move ahead at your own pace in a way that 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 really really does help you. But at the at the same time, um, Cheryl Sandberg, the head of uh, Facebook, uh, uh, lost her husband, young man, who died a similar way that my husband did. It was the same kind of heart attack out of the blue. And she wrote a book about how she got through it. And one of the lines I remember from the book is that grief is a constant companion, a demanding companion. And that's true. And But you cannot let that color your, your uh, life completely. You, you know, you talked it. about how you lost your husband and you had a wonderful marriage. And uh, how? what advice do you give to women, but also to men, uh, you know, who've had good relationships and great companionship, and now they're alone and they're older. What would you say to them? I would say that life is full of surprises, and sometimes they're good surprises. I had a nasty surprise, but I've also had some good surprises come my way since. I think you need to leave yourself open Mm. to the fact that some of the surprises that come your way might be enriching, enlightening, and wonderful. That, that's really important. Um, share something else from the book that you'd like listeners to know that you think would be interesting. You know, a twist or turn, or maybe something you learned from writing your own novel. Well, uh, what I, as I was working on it, um, uh, friends would ask me about the process of writing the book. What, what um, do you do? You know the whole story. Do you know how it's going to end? Do you, you know, you know where these characters are going to go? And what I would say to them is, these women surprise me every day. And so I, <laughs> I was surprised at at the ways in in which um, in which they took risks. And um, one of my uh, one of the characters um, hears out of the blue from her first love, and she's happily married, and she doesn't want to stray from her marriage. But she hears from him; he's in crisis, and he wants to meet with her, and she meets with him. And I won't tell you what happens, but but the idea that she would put at risk her own marriage and her and open up that reopen that chapter in her life um, it surprised me <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that she was willing willing to do that but but she learned from it and and it, it, it in the end it was um, 
it was something that uh, took a while to become a good thing. In retrospect, it was a good thing that she that she uh, met with him, but it does cause some complications for her. Um, I should also say that um, I'm putting the finishing touches on a on a um, on a sequel. The sequel is called The Right Regrets, and and uh, of course somebody may decide to change that title, but that's the working title. And it comes from an observation by Arthur Miller that maybe at the end of life, the best we can hope for is to be left with the right regrets. Oh, and that's I, a great I love that. quote. Yeah, I love that quote. Yes, and, and so the book is called The Right Regrets. Second Acts ends a week after uh, 9-11, and um, uh, there's a lot of New York in the book, and, and, and it ends a week after 9-11. The Right Regrets picks up after 9-11 and takes the women to to today. And so in this uh, book, I am able to to have these women confront uh, some of the issues that are different from college years through early midlife. And um, and that's been, um, and, and one of the, one of the things that has surprised me interesting thing is that, is that many of my friends my age are looking back in order to uh, figure out what their lives have been worth. They are looking back. They are having more interest and more respect for their mothers and grandmothers. Everybody's doing Ancestry.com. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and 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 inclu- including me, and so my characters are um, are doing that. They're looking, they're looking back, they're looking forward, and they are um, they have they have sons and daughters who wonderful. Um, right, right. They we are have watching. Like a, we have a minute left, so sum this up sure. for us. Wonderful things about looking back and our ancestry. I think heritage is so important, but we've got about a minute. So what would you like to leave our listeners with, Terry? Well, I, I hope that I don't claim that my, uh, my experience is, is universal. But here's something that I went to a grief counselor after my husband died. And here's something he said to me. He, he's older than I am. And he said, what I've learned in life is that life is about Meeting and separation, meeting and separation. Yeah. It's never our call. I agree. Yeah. Well, and it's learning how to cope with that. How can people find your book? That's right. Okay. It's on Amazon. It's and uh, your bookstore can order it if you uh, want to buy it from from your bookstore, Second Act. And, um, And I'll look forward to talking to you again, Patricia, maybe when the sequel comes out. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the program. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this part of our program. We have another uh, half of hour coming up next with another great guest. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.